Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. The Reds bounced back from their self-inflicted blip at the Emirates last weekend with a 3-1 win over Burnley to re-establish their lead at the top of the Premier League. Up next for Klopp's side, perhaps one of their trickiest remaining away trips as Liverpool head to Brentford to take on Thomas Frank's side this Saturday lunchtime. With Ivan Toney back from his suspension amongst the goals already, Brentford are slowly but surely starting to resemble the side we became more familiar with across the past two seasons, but are still facing plenty of injuries across the squad. Joining me this week to discuss how the season's unfolded, where Tony's future may lie, and whether Thomas Frank would be a smart choice for Liverpool to consider once Klopp departs. I'm delighted to welcome on Mike Johnson from the Eating Road podcast to join me this week. Welcome on, Mike. Good to good to chat with you. Good to see you, mate. Um, yes, yeah, so Brentford. I, always an interesting discussion when we're talking about Brentford over the past few seasons. Uh, I mean, largely it's been a, a completely positive discussion, right, about just the incredible development that the club has has shown the organisation off the pitch, on the pitch, some of the meticulous planning that we've come to expect from Brentford, certainly when we see them up against uh, sides in the top six as well, like you're very much holding their own and actually showing the just how a, a well-run club can you know, uh, easily beat a club with more resources if if, if the plan in place is uh, you know properly put together. So, uh, but just before we go into that, maybe specific points, I, I want to ask you this point in the season, currently 14th in the league, 25 points. Um, what are your overarching thoughts on how things have gone so far? We'll talk about maybe some of the key narratives. It does feel like a lot of this season has been waiting for one individual to to return uh, at some stages, but they've definitely not been resting on any laurels. Like, what are your thoughts on sort of where Brentford find themselves and how the season's unfolded? I think looking back to where we finished last season in ninth, a couple of points off a European spot, it's not been a season of progression in terms of the league table. 
But the important caveat to that is that we have been absolutely hamstrung <laughs> is a good word to use by injuries. This season, we've we've had key men out basically the whole season. We lost Rico mm. Henry at left back, who's arguably a bigger miss than Ivan Tony early on against Newcastle. Then we lost Aaron Hickey, who's one of our more one of the younger players in the squad, but again, a really promising talent and our only kind of attacking threat down the right-hand side. And he's very good defensively too. Chris I has been out for a while. Obviously, Ivan Tony is the big one. We, we've missed him since the start, but Brian and Bumo has been out recently. The list, the list is endless. Brentford have had the worst injury record in terms of days missed in the league this year, which is definitely reflected in the league table. I think the worry going into this season was obviously how we're we going to do without Ivan Tony, and we actually did quite well in the first few games without Ivan Tony. We we drew two two with Spurs on the first day, then we beat Fulham three nil, and then after that we had a couple of shaky performances against Palace and Bournemouth. Still got draws out of both of them. Both of them we should have won, and that's that's the point where the injuries started to kick in. And then once they started, they just didn't stop. We've still got players out right now, and. We've been on a pretty bad run of form, but since the return of Ivan Tony, it is marked. So it, and, and I feel like because we've had so many injuries, the return of Ivan Tony makes it so much bigger to the point that I think before he came back, we were kind of looking at this run of fixtures we got in February and seeing City twice, Liverpool, West Ham away, Wolves as well. We were looking at it and saying, if we don't come out of this month without any points, we are well and truly in a relegation fight. But now Ivan Tony's back. I'm I'm confident. I think if there if there was a season to be bad in the Premier League, it's probably this one, considering the points deductions that have gone Everton's sure. way and uh the one that is likely to go to Nottingham Forest. So and and also the coupled with the fact that Sheffield United looked down and out and um so did Burnley. But I, I Luton looked like they might get out of it and Burnley still could, but I think this season there are definitely three worse teams than us. So to sum it up, mm. I'm happy because like I said, it's uh, it's amazing to be in the Premier League, first of all. But I'm happy, given the context, given the injuries, that we haven't slipped further down the table. And now over Tony's back, things are starting to look up. Yeah, I think it was the the game at Anfield, right? I think the, the injuries had already hit at that point. I remember mm-hmm. the, the guests we had on that time was talking about, I think it on the day, lining up with no recognised or certainly no senior fullbacks. I think it was on the day uh, mm-hmm. for Anfield and talking about the impact injuries were having on Brentford already. I can't remember whether we had a discussion about, you know, when, whenever any club has a large spate of injuries, um, you know, is it, is it luck? Are we talking about contact injuries here? Is there something that's like um, a little bit more worrying about the conditioning some of these players are going through? Are they just being pushed a bit too hard? Uh, do you think it's been a, um, any of those things in particular, like uh, bad luck or just like a, is there a particular kind of injury people are going down with hamstrings or something like that? It's, it's, I think it's a mix, to be honest. Okay. Rico, Rico Henry did his ACL, um, but mm. I think if you look if you look across the league this season, there's, there's been more. more injuries. There's more injuries across all the clubs, so it's it's a weird one to pinpoint. The Athletic did quite a good read on it a while back that I read, that I'm not going to try and cite, but it, it was good. <laughs> it kind of broke it broke down all the all the teams and all their different injury boys because it is right. Like you, you hear fans come on different podcasts and they will say we've, we've been absolutely killed by injuries this year. The worrying thing is that. For some reason, like Brentford this year, there's just been loads, and a lot of them have been at training. We, we signed a, a Emre Kuhn from um, the Turkish league, yeah. who's this massive prospect, supposed to be quite highly touted by by European clubs, and we beat a lot of big teams to his to get in his name. And on his second day at the club, he he like tore his hip abductor or something, which he's going to be out for five months. I didn't expect him to play first team football right away, but 
I think by the sounds of it, he was expected to be integrated into the team. Into the team. And then Josh De Silva the other day as well, who had just come back from an injury that's kind of plagued his Premier League, Premier League career. He tore his, he had surgery in his hip when we came up from the championship. That kept him out for basically our whole first season. Then he came back, did his hamstring. That kept him out for basically the whole of the second season. And then he was looking to, well, he, he'd made a couple of appearances against Wolves in the league and in the cup, two really good appearances and then came on as a sub against Tottenham and then tore his ACL in training and he's going to be out for another nine months. So it is, it's, it's weird to hear how many of them have been happening through, through training as opposed to match days. Uh, I think, I think most of them have been done in training. So, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, they're training wrong because I don't know what they're doing at training. It might just be an incredibly unlucky season, but something there's got to be something going on something, yeah. something something's happening it's very strange to have so many injuries and only one of them or one or two of them have been sustained during a game Rika Henry is at Newcastle but Kevin Sharder was done in the warm-up Josh De Silva was done in training Aaron Hickey was done in training it's just it's odd it's, I think that's a I can't put it down to anything but it is strange yeah, I think it is league wide as well. I was just saying, I mean, these footballers are being asked to play more football than ever. Um, and yeah, we, we know the intensity levels that you see in the Premier League as well. Some squads bigger than others as well. So some players really being asked to play, um, you know, very often not being rotated that well as well. Uh, yeah, you're right. Everyone seems to be saying that they have some sort of injury crisis at their club. When you actually investigate it, some much more than others. I know Brentford have been heavily, heavily here. It's, it's something actually Liverpool fans have been. I suppose not like not whining about too much because yeah, the, obviously the club's doing well at the moment. But it's I I was actually did take it for granted that in the last game about nine senior players out for Liverpool mm-hmm. uh, and you and you go through them and probably all of them would start to be honest. If, if, yeah. Like like Matip's out was out. Allison was out last game. Trent obviously came back after a, lot, a period of time out just to get injured again. Sobbish lie injured again. The myth of Thiago appeared for eight, <laughs> eight, eight minutes against Arsenal and then is now gone apparently for a couple more months. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple others, or Salah as well. Salah's been gone uh, for a while. So yeah, there's um, no whining from the Liverpool side of things, but yeah, it, it, there's definitely a higher proportion of these injuries. And I think you're seeing the, the, the gamble that coaches sometimes have to make over medical teams telling me to bring him back next week, but I can really use... Mm-hmm with winning this game and you know people just making that gamble and sometimes it paying off and sometimes it not paying off and you being without the player for uh, considerably longer than that. You, you mentioned at the start of the season you know, without Tony, which everyone knew was going to be the big absence, like players standing up and actually uh, the, the club's still doing well uh, in spite of his uh, his absence. So the last part that we had discussing the way in which Mbomo had mm-hmm. you know, shouldered a lot of that burden um, with with Tony out, Wissa to like some extent as well with the, with the appearances he was making. Just um, like talk to me a little bit about how Thomas Frank, you know, sort of tried to approach that, you know, quite clear and sort of missing uh, like focal point to the, to the attack and how well you think those players have done when it comes to actually sort of, you know, filling that vacuum. It's a tough, you know, tough, uh, tough boots to fill. I think the, the difference is massive. We have actually changed our playing style because of Tony's absence. I think last season, because we had that focal point in the team and we had a striker who was so dominant aerially who would win nine out of 10 of his duels a lot of the time. And also we had David Rea in goal who just has a homing missile on his foot and it would always used to plant on Tony's head. So we would a lot more direct in the first two seasons in the Premier League. We heavily relied on Tony and then the willing runners to get him behind. This season, because we don't have that focal point up top, 
it's it's become we we've started to play around at the back a bit more, which kind of makes me nervous sometimes because we don't really seem that used to it. And with a without a goalkeeper who's as good as his, as good with his feet as David Rea was, it can be a bit dangerous when we've given away a lot of sloppy goals. But just like the the, the biggest difference is the fact that we don't have Tony, we don't have that big number nine up top who's going to not only win headers, but bring it down, bring others into play. And I feel like that's something about Ivan Tony that's really severely underrated by people who don't watch him week in, week out. He's not just a big target man. He is, in a lot of ways, a similar player to Harry Kane in the way that he can occupy defenders, drop into the pockets, spray a pass. Like the, the guy is one of the, is our best passer of the ball on the team, maybe apart from Matthias Jensen. He's got it all. And... I feel like that that's the that's the biggest difference. We've, we've decided to play out from the back a bit more. We've become more possession oriented. And I would say as well, to your point about it just being Brian and Bumo and Johan Wissa picking up the slack, I think they would have got that from the mainstream media, the people that don't watch Brentford week in, week out, yeah, because yeah. Brian, Brian and Bumo and Johan Wissa were scoring all the goals and they had such a great start to the season. And Mope but, as well, of course. And yeah, and Mope's back now as well, who's, who I'm sure we'll get onto because he's just hilarious. But um <laughs> He, uh, the spine of Brentford's team goes all the way back to the championship days. It hasn't changed at all, really. Uh, you think talking about obviously David Ray is gone, but Ethan Pinnock at the back with Ben Mee, who's come in since he's been in the Premier League. But Ethan Pinnock was at the back, Pontus Janssen was at the back, Rika Henry was on the left flank. We've got Christian Norgard and Vitaliano and Matthias Jensen in midfield. Those are three players that we've had right from the championship days and have been at the club for quite a while now. Yeah. So it's, it's it, at the start of the season, it was promising and it was, it was nice to see that Brian and Bumo was kind of taking on that mantle because we'd had several conversations on our podcast about who's going to step in. This is, this is time for Brian and Bumo to really step up and be the main guy at Brentford. But those first few results when we were playing really well, maybe not getting the points on the board that we deserved, it was down to the cohesion of the team. And once we started to lose that spine, once we started to lose those really important players for us, and I, I can't stress how important Rika Henry is to the team. Um, once we lost him, it was it changed the whole dynamic of the season. And then we lose the other fullback who would cover for him. And then it kind of just all snowballs into Brentford being in a potential relegation fight. But yeah, I mean, the difference between playing with and without Tony is stark. Yeah, I remember Jensen being one in particular, getting a lot of praise on the last uh, show that we did with Brentford. It was just, just around the fact that it was a bit of a surprise that he'd he'd filled some of the creative gap that, I mean, I think we were talking a little bit about Ericsson's time at the club and the way in which um, I think Jensen's development had surprised the guests that we had on last time in terms of the fact that he was still mm-hmm. still contributing and still sort of raising his game. I think that was um, particularly noted and, I, I, I do want to come on to Tony and, and, and talk about how things have been since, since he got back. But in terms of the fixtures, I mean, it, it, has there been a, a a game this season that you could point to and go, this pretty much encapsulates our season, maybe in the good and the bad in terms of uh, when things did click and, and sort of the, the adjustments that Thomas Frank has made to deal with injuries and absences. Um, like that the side was still able to function a, a game that showcased that and then also another game where you think well that just shows you know just w- what we're missing and the, and and the impact the injuries are having on us hello i'm here to annoy you i'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on epl index we don't just have the anfield index stuff we've got epl index as well which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, 
covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I think the game that shows the bad side of it was, I could point to a few to be honest, there's been, there's been a couple this season. Uh, Man United away, that was soul, dis- that yeah. was soul destroying. I'd have never experienced that at a football. I've experienced some awful times as a Brentford fan, genuinely some of the worst, but that was right up there. And I really didn't expect it. Just being one nil up at Old Trafford mm-hmm. and then 90 seconds, Scott McTominay able people, bags of brace and we lose. That That was kind of, testament to what we lack in terms of the injuries which is not being able to hold on to leads dropped 26 points from winning positions this season wow. which is a league high and it's more than the first two seasons in the Premier League combined for Brentford so wow, that kind really? of tells yeah it tells you everything about the injuries and how they've hurt us because we've so in terms of the 24 league games we played we've led in 17 of them and we dropped 26 points from those games mm-hmm. um which is quite, it's, it's just insane. Like, especially because in our second season in the Premier League, we went on a run, or, or no, in our first and second season over those two seasons, we went on a run of scoring first and not losing over like, tw- it was like, a, it was a club record. We, I think we went like 25 games after scoring first and yeah. we wouldn't lose. I was um, going to say, it's very un-Brentford to, to yeah. think of the side conceding leads in that manner. Yeah. And I think, uh, so yeah, I'd definitely cite Man United as one. Uh, Nottingham Forest we played them away when they were down to 10 didn't have the cutting edge to get the second goal and ended up drawing 1-1 that was two points dropped um, in terms of the good I would say like last week against Wolves was more like the Brentford that I've been accustomed to in the last two Premier League seasons where we'd very much be defensively set up we set up in that low block and we hit teams on the break and the difference was against Wolves we had two banks at, we basically parked everyone behind the ball but it was just, it was that gritty performance and really digging your teeth in and getting the second goal. It was so important. And it was like the first time I'd seen Brentford get a first and get a second and go on to win the game in so long. And we just struggled to kill games off so much this season. I actually said to my mate at the time when we were at the game, I was like, we celebrate when they score first because I was just so confident. We may as well have gone into that game <laughs> at one. We could have gone into the game one nil up and I still wouldn't have been confident that we won. But, um, I feel like now we've got Tony back and it's not just his his skills on the pitch. It's just his presence. Like I feel like it has a big factor on the kind of psychological, on the psyche of different players. Like when you know that you've got a clinical striker up top, who's going to finish chances if you put them, if you give them them, it just kind of switches your whole mentality almost. So I feel like now that the players that maybe weren't performing as well when we were right in amongst it and the injuries kept piling up, now we've got Ivan Tony up top. It's like a boost. Um, and I feel like that second goal against Wolves was vindication that, you know, we're back. And I, I really, I'm saying, I might be saying this too prematurely because we do have, <laughs> we play you and then we play City and then we play West Ham. So that's tough run of fixtures. But that Wolves performance, it was just, especially because Wolves had, we lost, we, we played Wolves four times in under two months. So we got battered at home by them 4-1. Then we failed to beat them when they were down to 10 in the cup. And then in the replay, we lost to them. So it was kind of like, we needed that win. They beaten us slash drawn against us so many times in the last two months but those would be some performances that kind of sum up our season so far yeah no I think 
makes sense. I mean, I think we had a similar thing last season with Wolves. We just kept playing them over and over mm-hmm. again, like with different <laughs> different iterations. And I think by by the end, like both sides were just like fed up with it. And like I think I think they did win the last one actually, which was um which is pretty irritating. Uh, yeah, and also I think yeah, in terms of the most frustrating results of the season, the yeah the only game we've played against Man United so far, probably the most frustrating game of mm-hmm. Liverpool season, even despite some of the losses. Uh, well, the, the the loss against Arsenal and then the um. Yeah, the situation at Spurs, I think. But um, yeah, I, I can't imagine Scott McTominay scoring two uh, <laughs> 90-plus minute goals against you. I, I, I had this phrase with um, a good friend of mine who's a um, Man United fan that whenever I do see Scott McTominay scoring, I'm like, just just remember, you know, whenever whenever he's doing well, you're generally not <laughs> as a club. Right? So it's, like, it's like, it's like, that's that's the correlation. Like, if he's doing well, great. Good thing, but that doesn't necessarily point to the greatest health for the club. So I think that's it's it's, it's held firm. I'd say I'm not sure there's been an athletic piece on it yet, but it's held firm, <laughs> held firm throughout the season. Uh, I, I want to talk about Thomas Frank, and it feels like I'm not sure how much there is to talk about in terms of he's he's been hamstrung this season in, in terms of what he could really do when it comes to taking the side forward. Yeah, he's got lots of praise since he. Um, since since Brentford came up, and I think rightfully so, I was talking at the start about you know, his you know, pretty meticulous approach when it comes to you know, trusting in the the setup that that he's got at Brentford, but also thinking carefully about the teams that that, that, that Brentford are playing to exploit the weaknesses that those teams have. Mm-hmm. I think he's quite pragmatic in those ways. Um, what have you made about sort of his his performance this season um, as the, as the manager dealing with a difficult set of circumstances where you know, injured, the players are out injured and your main focal points are obviously absent through through the betting ban? I th- it's a good question because Brentford fans love Thomas Frank, and rightfully so. Mm. Um, I think he's done the best that he could do. I, I don't yeah. think anyone could have foreseen... I mean, you can prepare for Ivan Tony being out. We knew that he was going to be out for so long. But in terms of the key players that we've lost, not having a official fullback at the club for however long we did. Yeah. Um, he's and you weren't expecting a... to... I mean, were you expecting to actually lose Raya as well right before the season? Yeah, I mean, to, and yeah. So there's a big question mark around the keeper, Mark Flecken, that we brought in. His statistically was the best goalkeeper in the Bundesliga last season. But his first... I mean, up until the City game, really, which was only last week, a couple of weeks ago... Um, he'd just been, I did, I, I knew that there was, he just, it's difficult because once you have a goalkeeper like David Rea, who we thought was amongst there with the best in the league and we knew that he was going to get this big move somewhere. And I think he's kind of proven that now, even though he had a bit of a rocky start at Arsenal. Um, you, when you bring the next keeper in, there's always going to be big shoes to fill and he just wasn't living up to those shoes. He wasn't living up to the, to the hype that was around him. Um, his distribution was good, but his shot stopping, I think in terms of goals prevented this season, he's statistically the worst in the league. But he has had a great performance against Man City where it, he saved it from being ha- a hammering, really. And then uh, at Nottingham Forest last week, he, uh, at Wolves last week, he had an even better one. So he, Thomas Frank's had a lot to contend with. I think the confidence issue with the keeper was a massive thing. After the Man City game, he, he came out and he said, I've not been hitting the levels I can. And now that I've done that, you know, this this is the goalkeeper that I am and this is the goalkeeper that Brentford bought. So there's that, there's the injuries. And I think some, some Brentford fans are so reactive on, on Twitter and stuff, as I'm sure a lot of fans are in football. Football fans are fickle, but someone suggested that the board should start looking at Thomas Frank and it's just like the worst take I've ever heard yeah. because 
Thomas Frank is the reason we're here and we absolutely adore him at Brentford. I think he's done the best that he can with the squad that he's got this season. And I think we'll stay up and he'll probably be here next year. I want to know what you think about sort of Thomas Frank at Liverpool. I know Shabby Alonso is hard to look past, but I have seen some, some, I, I noticed the similarities between Frank and Klopp in terms of their personality and their charisma and how they conduct themselves in presses and how they can kind of rally up the fans. I see a lot of similarities between the two. Um, but is it is it just too hard to look past Xabi Alonso at this point? Mm. Yeah, it's it, it, interesting. Actually, I think what, I think after with any with any announcement like the club announcement, you, you go through the sort of the similar stages of grief, like <laughs> to that denial and stuff like that. But then when once they got around to looking at the candidates, and uh, I heard Thomas Frank was mentioned quite early on to to me by some fo- um, some folks who actually really respect their opinion, but I, I hadn't considered him at all, not to be disrespectful but actually the more that they spoke about it I, to your point you see the similarities like the, the kind of personalities um you mean you can you can see from what i said already that i think he's he's in the football as well the football as well like but I, I just think as well just the way he i mean the way he speaks about football and the way mm-hmm. he speaks about his team and um uh not in a sort of faux like oh he's gonna play up to the cameras and like you know be emotional and all that stuff. I, I think that I think he's he speaks very well about the game and um seem to have a similar you know, won't, won't claim to know his moral compass, but seem to have a similar, you know, sort of um like compass to himself that as as uh, as Klopp, which I think is important. I, I think his record, I mean, people talk about Xabi Alonso and um, it's in some ways a romantic choice, you know, given the, the his, his previous time at the club. But the record, he's, he's still building that record at the moment. Very impressive, mm-hmm. obviously. That, but uh, I, I do I do somewhat worry about the fact that this is this is a guy who's not really had to face adversity at all mm-hmm. throughout his career. How will he handle that? Uh, I, I in my head, I can see him being this incredible, calm, composed manager like Zidane or whatever for many seasons to come. It seems that sort of character. But I think you know, when you're looking at Thomas Frank's record as well, there's going to be lots to to stand up there. So I I, I think he's a candidate that actually like compares and contrasts pretty well. I, I'm not sure what Liverpool fans think of in terms of I don't think many people would care around, you know, oh, any jump from Brentford or whatever to, to Liverpool. I don't think people care about that. I, I think the only thing that makes me slightly reticent is I think you mentioned the similarities there between him and Klopp. And I'm sort of mindful of do you try and. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you, you try, try and be the next Klopp or do you kind yeah, of make it your own thing? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, do you try and do that or do you actually like. Is someone like Xabi Alonso a good idea because he's just yeah. he's completely completely mm-hmm. different character? Uh, so I, I don't know. It, it seems there's so much noise around Xabi Alonso at the moment, just given I guess how Leverkusen are doing, and um, it seems as though there's like there's a lot of momentum around it. But I, I yeah, nothing official, right? So that, I think it's uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Thomas Frank is on that on that short list of people who are being considered. Uh, I don't really want to talk about you know, snatching him away from 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 from, from Brentford at all. But um, yeah, I, I'd certainly be one who thinks his, his record stands up. You know, I think he he would be a good fit. And I think yeah, when you're a Liverpool manager, it's not just what you what you're producing on the football pitch. It needs to be a fit, cultural fit as well. And I think he would. Um, yeah, I think he'd fit 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 quite nicely. But I think he, um, with Thomas Frank, just because. I know you said Liverpool fans maybe wouldn't care about the fact that he's not managed at a big club, but I think it is a, it's quite it's quite a big difference in that 
if he did, if he were to go to Liverpool, and I don't think he will, but if he were, he would be going to a club where you're expected to win every week. He hasn't dealt with that kind of pressure. True. And um, I feel like the Graham Potter to Chelsea move, I feel like that's kind of, it. Like even if clubs don't want to admit it, it's just, it probably has some sort of effect. It's like we've taken someone from Brighton, we're going to bring him to a bigger club. And it was just a train, cra- a train crash. Um, I mean, yeah. I say that, but he's got a, the similar points tally to Pochettino. But uh, it's like <laughs> if you take, if you take, and don't get me wrong, I, I think Thomas Frank could do the Liverpool job, and I think he'd do it quite well. But I feel like he probably needs another club before he makes that move. If you yeah, know. perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know you mean, but I think yeah, Chelsea's kind of a difficult test base for anything anywhere because like, <laughs> because it's just like yeah, I can I can imagine if Graham Potter had gone to Spurs it would have been a completely different story yeah, I yeah. think that he just picked one of the most unstable places mm-hmm. to, to to sort of te- test himself so yeah it'd be interesting to see where he pops up but yeah I, I don't think yeah Potter or Liverpool I don't know Potter or Liverpool because no it's, yeah, <laughs> I don't think so I think he's, 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 he has to work his way back up I'm surprised Palace didn't try to be honest I think uh, with yeah. some of the suggestions around Hodgson moving on but um, Ivan Tony then I think yeah we've we, we've we've talked about him here and there but I think actually just focusing in on him uh, absent for for so long um, of course and uh, during that time I, I, I felt like I kept I constantly kept seeing these these stories about him telling his story, his side of the story. Like this, it, it, I felt like I saw that five or six different times. Yeah. Obviously in the diary of a CEO interview as well that he did. Uh, he's a fascinating character to, to me. He's an incredibly effective footballer. And a lot of what you were talking about with the, the stuff that he contributes outside of the goals, bringing up, bringing others into play, just the sheer amount of work that he puts in was the first thing that, um, struck me when we, when we drew three three against Brentford in that in that first game away um, that we played against you. Mm-hmm. Um, since he's come back, uh, you know, naturally it's impossible to keep him away from the headlines. He he, he contributes. He's there he's scoring goals and um, you know, influencing games. Um, just want to talk to you. I mean, you, you've already alluded to sort of how things have changed since he's come back, and have have Brentford now reverted to? The, the approach that they that you're used to in terms of even because that focal point is there again or do you think because of the other absences it's still a bit of a mix we I don't think we've really seen Brentford pre-Ivan Tony's ban from football as of yet just because the teams we've played mm. Forest Forest strangely we set up in a five City we were always going to set up in a five yeah. and we did again against Wolves because it's like you mentioned Thomas Frank's quite adept at sort of sussing out the opposition looking at what formation they play and then attacking from there Mm-hmm. Um, so we haven't really seen him be used as the kind of focal point that he had been used previously. I think we might do when we play a team who's set up in a four and we maybe have Brian and Bumo back and Johan Wiss is back from AFCON now. Right. If we can set up in a, in a three and have those two options up top, um, as opposed to just Neil Mope, who isn't a willing runner in behind, that's just not his game. Um, I think we probably will see that kind of revert back to the old playing style that we used to have that was so effective against bigger teams um i feel like as well as well to just like kind of sidetrack a little bit the interviews they they are the worst they're they're terrible i think brentford fans have kind of come off worse in this situation somehow even though our striker has done these things and it's like our striker's done these things and now he's making us kind of look like mugs i think a lot of brentford fans are very much in the camp of love the player but we don't we, was, we kind of we kind of dislike the man. Um, 
I was going to say that to you because I think the thing that was that was the next point I was going to go into was obviously this um, the fact that you know, Brentford have obviously agreed a deal for who's the Igor Tiago, Tiago, uh, yeah. um, a striker to join in the summer, which sort of has the has the smell of uh, you know the the replacement for uh, Ivan Tony if he, if he is to move on. And then I saw obviously the, the quotes that you know, the, Thomas Frank saying that he expects mm-hmm. he thinks it's likely that Thomas um, that Ivan Tony will leave. But then to your point, yeah, you see this. You see this interview that uh, Tony gives, where which one? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, right, but there was, uh, it was after the game, after he scored against Wolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was an yeah. interview where he's, he's like, almost acting coy about, oh, well, if he doesn't want me, it's, like, everyone knows what's you know what what's going on and and the way in which he's been you know batting his eyelids at at, uh, at clubs. And I, I, yeah, I, I do share. I, I was going to ask you what the how fans perceive him because. Yeah, he's, this is not the first time, right? There's been multiple occurrences of this where you'd imagine the club means everything to him, and yet yeah. there's these. He seems to disrespect the club quite quite a bit, in my opinion. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, you have to say that there is nothing wrong with being confident. There's nothing wrong with knowing your ability and there's nothing wrong with having ambition. No, no, no. I have, I have, I have no problem with that. It works for him. He knows he's going to score goals. He knows he's a good player. Of course, he's, got of course. Amb- he's got ambitions to play at the top club. But I just feel like with the optics of it, and I know there's a bit of a cliche in football, the optics just don't look good. Like the fact that you have kind of brought the club into disrepute by the gambling allegations followed up by the fact that the club have stuck by you through this. We've given you the 16 week specific training plan. We've stuck, it's just like it, we've paid his wages as well, by the way, whilst he's been gone. It's just like, you would think that when you do these interviews and you come out, you would say, I know that I want to play at a top club. That's fair enough. Didn't have a problem with that. But right now I'm a Brentford player. He never said that in any of those interviews. He just said, right now I'm focused on playing my football. If he'd have said, right now I'm focused on playing my football at Brentford, then I don't think I'd had a problem with it. Um, and it's also just like the fact that he hasn't signed a new contract, like a club isn't going to come in for him in the summer if we get him to put, yeah. put, put pen on paper. It's going to happen. Like someone's going to fork out the money. Um, and we'll probably get, I, I still think, to be honest, that we're going to get quite a large fee for him over the summer, especially if he starts score, if he carries on scoring goals at the rates that he is now. Um, but it's just like, kind of makes Brentford fans look a bit soft. And it, I... 
it's it's hard to dislike someone who scores goals and kind of digs you out of tight situations. But I just feel like some of the stuff that he said is we've had we we did like a conversation, like a player tier list during the international break. It was just a bit of fun, really. Sure. But we had the kind of conversation about whether Ivan Tony could ever be considered a club legend. And I didn't think he can just because of the way he's spoken about the club in the past. I just think he's a very good footballer and I'm glad that he's here and I'm glad that he's helped us into the Premier League. Mm. And but I think just some of the stuff he said now, it's just like, we'll do that. I, I wouldn't have been that fussed if it had gone in January, to be honest. Um, yeah. Knowing, knowing that if we'd have brought in a player before then, actually, no, I tell you, if we'd have brought a player in before, like Tiago from Bruges, um, I feel like in January definitely needed him, but it's just some of the things that he said, it just makes it hard to, to like him the way he used to when he first signed for the club. Yeah. And I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I- Obviously, I think I agree, uh, agree with what you're saying about there's nothing wrong with with confidence, and I think that arrogance in footballers, especially strikers, is 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 what you want to see. But yeah, to to your point, you could easily have just like you could you could have done this differently, where you just you know, you just mm-hmm. nice and professional about it. Everyone knows what's going to go on at the end of the season. You're not going to sign a new contract and whatever, and like, you know, but but yet yeah, you're doing your job, and you're not you, you don't have to talk to everybody um, like about the situation. You you just you straight back back to it, and I think. One thing that will be interesting, and football's a very fickle game, so if you score goals, generally people are willing to forgive mm-hmm. anything. But I do wonder whether or not some of this will will impact where he ends up, personally. I, I do wonder, because you're increasingly seeing that around, okay, do I want, do I necessarily want someone who is going to be, I don't know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not calling another black player a, a disruptive force in addressing him. I think it's a very lazy stereotype, but I do wonder... About yeah, just just how some of this some of this stuff might impact where he eventually ends up. Having said that, I don't think anybody would give a damn if he scores twenty twenty five goals right come the uh, come the end of the season if he was to end up somewhere else as well. But yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying right about the legend. Yeah, and so like, can you consider him a club legend for sure? And uh, in terms of Igor Thiago and, and what we know about him. Is he a striker in a similar mould uh, based on some of the... the- I mean, <laughs> we only signed him yesterday, so I've had to do a bit of reading. Oh, did this He has scored 16 goals in 24 appearances for Bruges this season. Nice. And um, he's the second highest top goal scorer in the league. He's got, I think, the highest dual success rate in the league, focal point, very much a six-yard box striker. Um, I think he's got the highest goal, the most amount of goals from inside the six-yard box in the league. Okay. Penalty taker... Um, yeah, I think that's, you can't really take much because I'm not going to sit here and be like, I know him like the back of my hand. I've watched a few compilations of his goals this season. Uh, I've read, I've read up on some stats, but I mean, that's it then. That's it. Just, just, just the (laughs) fact, just the fact I was saying to my girlfriend last night, I was like, just the fact that we brought in a Brazilian striker, a 30 million pound Brazilian striker to play for Brentford was just a bit of, (laughs) bit of like fever dream stuff. I was explaining to my girlfriend, I was like, she she's she comes to football with me now, but I was just playing like Brazilian strikers, iconic. Like <laughs> there's no way we've got this thirty million pound Brazilian striker to come play for Brentford. It was kind of just like a head scratcher. But I'm hoping I'm hoping that he he's good. Uh, he yeah. sounds good. He's 16 goals in 24 games is a good record. I think he's got Europa League experience, a couple goals in the Europa League as well. Mm. So it's definitely a sign that Ivan's going to move on. I think we knew that before, but it's it's nice to see Brentford acting early and um, getting some business done before the summer transfer window because we didn't have the best January transfer window. We brought in Sergio Reguilón, who's been outstanding. You can see his class. Um, another one where it's like started his career at Real Madrid and then is now at Brentford. It's just a bit of a head scratcher. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's it's nice to see Brentford being proactive in the transfer market and nice to see that we're already preparing for life after Tony. 
Yeah, exactly. So the club moves on. Just like, um, you're not going to get yourselves into a situation in the summer where you're you know panicking about how to replace mm-hmm. them. It's already done, and then you can sort of like focus on the best offer that comes mm-hmm. comes comes the club's way. I imagine. But how much would you pay for him? For Ivan Tony, was 27 years old. Ivan Tony, one year left on his contract at the end of this uh, in, the, in the summer. Oh, there's one year left. There's one, there's year, one left. year left. One year left in the summer. He's got. Eight, he would have had 18 months in January, but. Mm. I can see, I can see a club offering. Well, it's kind of it's all been blown out of the water now, isn't it? With some of these, um, <laughs> <It's Chelsea. laughs> some, some of these deals that have been offered. I mean, I can, I can see. I mean, I mean what did Kane go for? I mean, that was uh, he, he, he had one year left, and he's obviously got he's got a bigger pedigree than Tony, despite what Tony's mm-hmm. done. Yeah, I can see someone throwing 50, 60. 60. Yeah. yeah, I'd say, I'd say sixty. I'd, I'd push it higher to seventy. Genuinely, I feel like if he carries on scoring. I think there's going to be a bit of a yeah. bidding war between. However, I can up. see him also being the sort of guy who would put a transfer request in. Oh, um, yeah. like, to be honest, <laughs> like, yeah. like in For a different sure. way, right? If like, if For it, sure, it, that is that is nailed on. <laughs> if someone offers forty million and Brentford are like, no, I think we can get, you know, we can get yeah. more than that. Uh, I can see absolutely. <laughs> I can see the announcement on social media. Ivan Tony has uh, submitted a formal <laughs> transfer request. He will be training with the. <laughs> reserves or whatever. like um unfortunately i can't see that but so i, I don't know I, I yeah i can see i wouldn't be surprised 50 million with some sort of add-ons that are mm-hmm. uh, not disclosed personally but um out of interest where do you think he he ends up not nothing to think about but i think arsenal is looking like the the one isn't it i know it's um they're the ones who seem to have the need i'd say yeah i i've I read into the kind of need for arsenal's number nine but i feel like I know it's there and there's like I can I've watched so many Arsenal games this season where it's just like if they'd have had Ivan Tony in that position, they're winning this game easily. Yeah. Just even when we've even even when we've played against Arsenal, he just gives their defence a nightmare. Like when we um not not this season because he didn't play, but last season when we played with them at the Emirates at the Emirates, he was just he there's there's been games where I've seen Tony look better if not on the level with any other striker in world football. Genuinely, I'd literally and I don't say that just because I'm a Brentford fan. I got Brentford hat on. Genuinely, there's been games where I've seen him dominate Van Dijk. I've seen him dominate Saliba. And it, it, the game, the game at your place last season, where I think we lost one nil. I want to say it was one nil, mm. but we played played okay. But I just remember being there and just watching Tony and just just the elegance. Like, and I when he when we signed him, I didn't realize the kind of the it's full culture, package that we were. Yeah, he's so cultured, such a culture footballer. Um, yeah, but I think yeah, Arsenal. I think Arsenal was probably the immediate kind of the team that springs to mind but I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea thrown a bid um, I think <laughs> Tottenham could probably do them as well I I think Luke, you'll be alright um, just in terms of your attacking options yeah so no, many. Got, we're not going to yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, I'd say probably I, Arsenal is the, Arsenal's the obvious choice and he said that he might want to sign for Arsenal he's got people in his Instagram comments <laughs> I think I'm uh, sure he does <laughs> yeah. he posted something and um, I think it was like an actor from Top Boy Michael Ward posted on the bottom it was like come to Arsenal bro and it was like liked by the author it's just like <laughs> come on mate just stop just stop you need to get some PR training for fuck oh god can yeah. I swear on this no it's alright don't worry about it it's just it's, 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 it's fine I think we all know the the, the, the sentiment for sure yeah it's, yeah. yeah I mean I, that, that, I didn't even know about that that's exactly the sort of stuff where you're just like this is just like like, yeah, you do, owe, you do owe Brentford. You do owe Brentford, and, and I think like your point is, it's like it's not like you know, 
<laughs> I mean, whatever your perspective on the ban and the nature of the ban and the reasons behind the ban, like, th- there were enough reasons for him to be absent. I, I would say for a period mm-hmm. of time, and uh, yeah, it's like to to your point earlier on, like it's it's not Brentford who've caused him this, right? He's, he's he's done this. He's come back. Brentford are the ones who've had to deal with that. The least you'd imagine is some some sort of respect towards the end of the season. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm interested that this weekend um, it's, it's early kickoff. It's going to be likely Van Dijk and Canate um, at, at the back. So it'd be interesting. I think I think from memory, Canate was the one who I saw struggle or maybe Matip who, shot, who I definitely saw struggle against Tony um, in the past. Um, it'd be interesting to see this season because I think, yeah, Van Dijk's been much closer to the levels that we saw a couple of seasons ago. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, even Canate as well loves that sort of challenge given sort of his physical, his physical strengths. But what kind of approach are you expecting? You know, it's um, Liverpool, you know, had that loss against Arsenal, but that was really the first one of the season. If you discount the like not getting a goal for uh, yeah whatever at Spurs, um, so then bounced back of course against um, actually completely forgotten who we just beat in the last game, but ba- bounced Burnley. back against Burnley, uh, and so uh, yeah clearly in good form. Like th- there were absences. I'm expecting a couple players to be back, whilst a couple players to still be absent. Sobashlai not going to be there. Trent's not going to be there, but Allison's back. Canate is back. Um, Salah is back, which is the big one. Um, is he back for sure, or is he just in training? Yeah, that's true. Maybe I'll just see him in training. I think he's. Uh, uh, and, uh, I'm hoping he's not back. <laughs> I know what the personality is like. It's going to be demanding a start. I'm guessing, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him actually. Like to be to be um, like on the bench, maybe be on the bench and come on. But it's a mm-hmm. hell of a sub to yeah. to have. But yeah, how, how do you expect Thomas Frank to approach that game? I think it's going to be a fantastic game for one. I think the styles of Frank and Klopp, they kind of match up perfectly. It's high tempo, it's high press. It's a lot of space sometimes, can be end-to-end. Like the games we played at the G-Tech against Liverpool have been some really fun games to watch for a neutral, I'd imagine, um, especially the 3-3 in the first season. Yeah. So I, I expect it to be fun and I, I'm i I'm looking forward to it. But I, I do expect Brentford to be on the back foot for most of the game and look to be hitting Liverpool in the counter like we do against the top six teams. And it's something that gave us a lot of success last season. Um, in terms of how we set up, it will be a back five. The the important thing is is that we have Johan Wiesa back from AFCON um, so it'd be interesting to see whether he sets up with Neil Mope because he has been in blistering form and Brentford fans absolutely adore the guy, by the way, uh, absolutely adore him. And he's just the pantomime villain in the league. And I love it. I, I love everything about Neil Mope. Um, so it'd be hard to drop him at the moment, but I th- think with the way that Liverpool play and having watched the Burnley game, I mean, Fafana had a couple of chances, a couple of clear-cut chances against you last time out. I'm, mm. Do you know what? I am I think Brentford fans see this game as kind of a free hit. I think when we looked at our fixture list in February, when it was City, Wolves, Liverpool, City, West Ham, it, we were kind of looking at the Wolves and the West Ham games as games looking to get maybe four points out of in total. Now that we've got the Wolves win, I think this one is just a free hit for us. And I think that suits us. And I think it's a bit of a it's a bit of a treacherous one for you guys because I feel like now with the way City are purring, they just look like they're gonna win every game. So every game for Liverpool and Arsenal is kind of a massive one in yeah. terms of points dropped. And the, I think the, the the game against Arsenal uh, that you lost a couple of weeks ago. Mm. I feel like maybe you'd have come to the Brentford knowing that we kind of cause you problems at home 
a bit more confident or a bit more kind of laid back about the situation, like we'll take a point maybe. Um, yeah. Whereas now, I feel like now the points have been dropped against Arsenal and they've got the three. It's like every game is is has sure. a bit of jeopardy has a bit of jeopardy to it. So I'm I don't th- I think it's I think it'd be a good game. I think it will give you a good run for your money, and it'll be nice to have Tony back in the t- back in the side. I mean, even when we played you earlier in the season and we lost three 0 I know it was three 0 but I I wouldn't say we played badly. I don't think three 0 was maybe a true reflection of the game. Um, I think clinical finishing. I think Salah scored. I can't remember. Jota maybe scored once as well. Yeah. Uh, but two from Salah. Ge- yeah. I think genuinely, whenever we whenever we played Liverpool in the Premier League, it's always been a good game, and I don't think I've seen us play badly against Liverpool, which is a good sign. And I'm looking forward to it. I think it will be competitive. I think Liverpool look like they're in good form at the moment. Brentford have got. a Got a big win against Wolves last time out. I think it was going to be good. It's exciting. I can't predict it. I genuinely can't. I want my heart wants to say Brentford going to win, but uh, my head is probably telling me that you'll be too strong. Yeah, I was. I mean, I, I'm expecting an entertaining game as well. Well, actually, not entertaining because it's never entertaining when you're actually part of the <laughs> of, of, of the two teams who are a part of it, really. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's the pressure is definitely ratcheted up. I mean, I, I, again, I mean, maybe I'm just being bitter, but I mean, I, I, I didn't think the Arsenal defeat told me anything really about the side other than the. Mm. Yeah, like reliable players made mistakes, and you mm-hmm. know, we, we 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 missed some some folks on the day. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've seen City appearing. I've, I've I've not seen it just yet, but I know that they're about to do what they always do in terms of sort of putting together a run of a run of games. And the fact that Liverpool have got City in a few weeks is definitely yeah, that's a big um, one. Well, one I'm looking forward to. Just hope everybody can be back fit for it. So. Mm-hmm. It'll be a good, be a good game. Also, looking forward to your game against Arsenal. I have to say, like, that's uh, mm-hmm. like, I can see Tony doing some, doing some, some pretty fun stuff uh, on that day. Let's fingers crossed. Uh, it's always fun to see the, um, the reaction. Uh, to be honest, but uh, yeah. Anyway, Michael, I, I want to really thank you just for yeah, for coming on and for sharing uh, all your thoughts on on how the season's gone so far and. Uh, what we can expect from Brentford between now and the end of the season. I think we are going to see a Brentford that we recognise a bit more than we've seen so far this season even if there are still key players as you talked about uh, who are out so yeah interested to see sort of how how that develops interested to see how any links with um, Thomas Frank develop to be honest at the, at the moment it feels like it's all I don't know talk sport kind of links at the moment but yeah, we'll see yeah. Uh, the longer it goes on the closer we get to that finish the, I'm, I'm sure more links are going to start to emerge when it comes to the replacement for for Klopp um, as, as as nasty as that is to to think about but yeah thanks again Mike really really appreciate you uh, you coming on no worries at all mate really enjoyed that actually pleasure no no worries and then just looking ahead just uh, to all the listeners here um, those who've been listening to the, these these rival recons throughout the season what's next for us it's uh, oh, it's a, a game against Luton uh, on the 21st of February so there'll be a pod ahead of that uh, I'll be at that game and so this is obviously I can't remember what my record is in terms of wins but uh, hopefully that's going to be a banker uh, probably the Gary Neville sort of a uh, uh, the banker uh, meme that you can drop on the internet but uh, yeah uh, there'll be another part ahead of that game so do do tune in for, uh, for another episode ahead of that uh, ahead of that match we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community. 
where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.